TED Audio Collective. I mean, if me and you were best friends, I'd still tell you, you're a damn flaming queen. I'm a flaming queen. And I would tell you right back, I <laughs> you know, am a flaming queen. In and fact, you'd probably call me a, a redneck fag. You know. I, so the thing is, I actually, I don't think I would. And maybe it's because I'm a helplessly politically correct, uh, liberal, coastal yeah, bubble person. I, I'm, I'm not very politically correct. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Dylan Marin, and this is Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the show where I call up some of the folks who have written negative or hateful things about me on the internet. And before I begin, I wanted to share two pieces of exciting news with you. First, we passed a million downloads in our first month of release. This is so cool. Thank you. A bunch of you have written to me to share that this podcast has encouraged you to have difficult conversations of your own, and I can't tell you how much that means to me. To keep it balanced, though, I should also share that one person wrote to me complaining that this show was featured as an editor's pick, and she wanted me to change the algorithm because she doesn't like the show. Now, full disclosure, I am not that powerful or cool, and I don't control algorithms, but if you want to blame me for being an editor's pick, you do you. Second piece of news. So you know how at the end of every show I say, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen? Well, Rob Wilson, the amazing artist who designed the show's logo, has illustrated that phrase, and it's now a sticker that you can own. Stick it on your phone or your computer or, I don't know, stick it on the palm of your hand as a gentle reminder that there are humans who read the comments we write and humans who write them. Another artist that I'm a huge fan of, Jessica Hayworth, has designed a couple of t-shirts, including one of the phrase, hurt people, hurt people, which you might remember was the title of our second episode. All of this and more is available at our merch store at www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com. Your purchase supports the show so that we can keep making it. Okay, enough business. Let's get to the episode. Friends, it has finally happened. My guest on today's show wrote a comment about this show. Well, more accurately, he wrote it about me and the opinions I've expressed on this show. And not to brag, he called me a flaming homo, a sissy, and a flaming queen. I should also tell you that he himself is a gay man, and his name is Lee. A few weeks ago, Lee publicly wrote this comment. I listened to it, and in my opinion, he is an idiot. I could write a 1,000-page essay on all the ways I disagreed with this flaming homo. Words do not hurt unless you're a Tinkerbell that has lived a protected life. I am gay and a conservative classic libertarian. People like this young man is the reason everyone thinks all gays are sissies and flaming queens. So, I am going to call Lee right now. Hello. Hi, is this Lee? Yeah, how are you doing? Hey, good. How are you? 
Good, sitting out on the porch enjoying this nice fall like weather. Oh, you're sitting out on a porch. I'm <laughs> I'm jealous of you. I'm I'm indoors and it's pretty cold up here. How about down there? It's like fall. Um. Well, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Hold on, I'm getting a note from our audio producer. Is there any chance that he can move indoors? Oh, yeah. Lee, would it be possible for you to move inside just so we can hear you a little more clearly? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, how's this? A million times better, says our audio okay. producer. You've just made his day. <laughs> so, Lee, let's just start off. What prompted you to write that comment? Um, Anna, who's on your show, and I are friends, because uh, I listen to Anna's podcast and the whole time I'm listening to it I'm like oh my god <laughs> I was I was actually I was ready to just like scream at my at my iPad the whole time I was listening to it because of me mostly yeah <laughs> okay great great what an honor I'll I'll put that on my resume I'll say uh I made Lee want to scream um I made some redneck from Georgia want to scream Here is a clip from the conversation that Lee is referring to. For context, Anna and I are talking about whether or not catcalling on the street counts as harassment. But if they're just like, you know, standing on the street, like whistling at me or or, or across the street yelling something at me, then I'm not feeling endangered. I would absolutely call words an assault because I feel unsafe. I'd, I'd spoke a little out of turn when I, you know, when I said you're an idiot, but I do think that some of the way that you think is, um, built on living in a bubble, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having never experienced things outside of, of your bubble, as far as dealing with, like you're from the North, Mm -hmm. I'm from the South. And I think a lot of, uh, we disagree a lot on people and people's intentions behind a lot of the things they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what prompted it. You, you said something interesting at the end of the comment. You said people like this young man is the reason everyone thinks all gays are sissies and flaming queens. Um, why, why did you write that specifically? Well, I'm a 46-year-old male, gay, and... Nine times out of ten, or actually probably ten times out of ten, in a conversation with someone, invariably the the thing that's always said to me is, "I'd have never known you were gay if you didn't tell me." I'm six foot four, weigh three hundred pounds, have long blonde hair, a beard, um, very country. People tend to stereotype people. Mm-hmm. You know, they they believe that all black people speak in broken ghetto speak, mm-hmm. and dress like hoodlums. Mm-hmm. They think all rednecks are Ill- illiterate, you know, um, gun-toting, hate everybody in the world other than themselves. They think every person that lives in a trailer park is trash. And they think every gay person wants to be a unicorn mm-hmm. that dresses like a fairy and talks real loud. And you thought I was that person? You, you have that very high-pitched voice, mm-hmm. and people tend to go, oh, well, that's what all gay people are. It's aggravating. But I also just wanted to let you know that I have spoken this way and acted this way, like, all my life, from before I was even, like, 
actively consuming and aware of media and stereotypes. So, so the way I speak, the way I act is very natural to me. And if that means that I'm a sissy or a flaming queen, then so be it. I'm a sissy and a flaming queen. Um, and I, like, I guess I, and, and maybe this is because I'm a coastal liberal living in a little echo chamber, but, um, this is how I speak. This is how I act. I'm not going to try and act um, in a way that society tells me is manlier because that's just not who I am. Um, and yeah, I kind of just wanted to say that out loud to say that it wasn't like I was like, ooh, there's a stereotype. I want to fill that stereotype <laughs> because that's who I am. You know what I mean? Oh, no, totally understand. And okay, even though. You know, like you, you started, you've always talked that way. You've always acted that way. But um, the unfortunate part is it does fit into the stereotype mm -hmm. that, and it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. It's the way we've been, we as a community, the gay community have been presented to the general public. Mm -hmm. Again, most of what we're getting this from is news, TV shows, um, they're always going to portray 99% of the time on a TV show. They're going to portray the gay guy as the infeminate male in the group. So, Lee, before we continue, and only um, as much as you're comfortable sharing, uh, tell me about you. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm 46 years old. I born and raised in the South. I never lived more than... 45 minutes from where I was born. I was from two years old till I was an adult. I lived, my grandparents raised me, had full custody of me. Uh, my father was shot and killed when I was 21 months old. Mm. Um, do you remember that at all? Actually, I do not. Yeah. It was actually, from what I'm told, was he was actually shot mainly because of me. <laughs> Whoa. Um, How, well, take me through that. When I was born, uh, there used to be, and I, I don't know what the actual term would be anymore, but it used to be called pigeon-toed mm -hmm. or club-footed, where most people, if you lay them flat on their back, mm -hmm. their feet are pointing straight up. Mm -hmm. With me, my feet turned in. Mm -hmm. So my toes pointed at each other. Mm -hmm. So um, nowadays, they do, if a baby's, a child's born that way, they actually excuse me, do a, a corrective surgery mm -hmm. where they will literally go in and break bones and correct the, the foot. With me, um, I looked like Forrest Gump until I was about seven years old. Oh. Uh, I grew up wearing braces. I had to have special shoes that the braces locked into. Mm -hmm. They would all weigh up and wrapped around my waist. Mm -hmm. I had like a little belt. Mm -hmm. um, so very much so, like Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't remember a lot about it. Now, as I got older, you know, six, seven years old, I can remember that it was pretty painful mm -hmm. because literally I had pieces of metal turning my feet the way they were supposed to go. Right. That sounds not fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you remember growing, you know, when you would have growth spurts and you'd have the pain in your legs and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, multiply that. Yeah. And that was me. And that's constant. Um, right. Yeah. A constant. As long as the braces are on, it hurt. So my father, um, uh, drank a lot mm -hmm. um at the 
particular time this happened, my father was abusive to my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, when I guess she finally got a, a belly full of it, she went and bought a pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, he came home one night drunk. Two of my brothers were gone. They were one was at one grandparent's house, and the other one was at another grandparent's house. Mm-hmm. And there were two of us at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting on the porch in a chair. And from what I'm told, uh, was always told was I would, I would whimper, but I didn't really cry mm-hmm. all the time about it, but mm-hmm. it, unless my dad was home. Mm-hmm. And the reason I would cry when he was home was because, you know, children are smarter than people give them credit for being, he would make my mother take the braces off. Oh, so I learned at a very young age that, Hey, if I start crying when he's around, he takes the pain away. Hmm. So I would start crying. Well, he came up home. Uh, we were sitting on the porch. Mm-hmm. I started crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, he slapped me out of a chair. Mm. Uh, and my mother stood up to him about it. And he started, he picked up a pipe, started at her, and she shot him in the chest three times. Jeez. Uh, he later died in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to loss of blood from gunshots, not actually from the gunshot wounds themselves. Right. They didn't hit any vital organs. And my mother went to jail for, she got 14 years for involuntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. They didn't have domestic violence laws then. So she, she didn't um, get like off on self-defense? No. Huh. Because he never actually hit her that time. And like I said, back then, this was in the early 70s, yeah. They didn't really have domestic violence laws. Right. Meaning that, you know, back then the cops couldn't prosecute unless she pressed charges. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a matter of if he came, if the if you call the policeman, they show up and they see that he's beat her, they can press charges based on what they see now, at least in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Back then they couldn't. If she said, nope, don't want to press charges, there wasn't nothing they could do about it. Even if she pressed charges, if she come trial time decided you know what i don't want to testify against him so no Mm -hmm. the da would have to drop charges so anyway she shot him his mother um my grandmother was jehovah's witness Mm -hmm. they don't believe in giving fluids Mm -hmm. you know know, bodily fluids blood or anything like that yeah so his mother refused to let them give her her son blood and he laid on the bed and in the hospital and died from loss of blood. Jeez. So my grandparents on my mother's side took me in, took my three brothers in, they raised us. Mm. Uh, at 18 years old, I decided, I, you know, well, at a very young age, I decided I want to be a policeman. Mm. So at 18 years old, I actually left high school, got my GED, um, and went to work for the sheriff's office. I was a policeman from 18 to 30. Mm-hmm. I worked as a deputy sheriff in the small county I lived in. I, um, all but three years of it, and I went to work for a local police department the last two or three years. Um, I left policing when I was 30, and glad I did. Police are just like anybody else. They joined the profession, like doctors and EMTs and nurses. They joined that profession because they truly want to help. And that's what you wanted to do, right? And that's what I wanted to do. And when I finally started to realize, you know what? Nothing I do. <laughs> you get 
I got burnt out. Mm-hmm. You know, you get tired of arresting the same guy for whipping it, for beating his wife or for selling drugs or for breaking into houses. You lock him up. He goes to court, court slaps him on the wrist. He goes out and does it again. Cause he knows he's not going to get, there's no true consequence to what he does. What I, what I also would love to hear about is, um, when did you come out? I actually came out when I was early 20s, 21, 22. And what was um, that like? <laughs> it was an experience. Um, you know, I've faced discrimination in at work uh, when I was a policeman. I can tell you that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, a deputy, and I was seeing a guy. He was married, had a kid. Um, had never, he was gay, but had done what he thought was right, got married, had a kid, ended up divorcing his wife and living as a gay guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I was seeing this guy and well, one of our investigators um, noticed me spending a lot of time with him and I guess the, picked up on the fact that I spent a lot of time at his house. Um, the way he and I talked to each other wasn't necessarily the way everyone else did. <laughs> right. You know, probably let it slip, you know, some... I'm sure something slipped out in saying, you know, like I, you know, you'll slip out and say my boyfriend yeah. in public or something. Yeah. And he picked up on it. Got it. So he went to the sheriff um, of our county that I had known since I was a baby mm-hmm. um, and actually asked the sheriff if he could start an investigation on me for being gay. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of states and back then, and this was in the early 90s side of me was still against law mm-hmm. and the sheriff told him basically to mind his own damn business that what I did in privacy of the bedroom was my own business mm-hmm. and to let it go and you know I'm sure the fact that he had known me my whole life might have had something to do with that mm-hmm. so uh, the sheriff called me to his office and told me what had happened you know one of those just be on the lookout don't do anything to get in trouble type thing because mm-hmm. Again, sodomy was against the law. Mm-hmm. So I decided the best way to handle it was to confront the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at you know, 21, 22, I was, I was slimmer, but I was still six foot four. And I weighed probably 230, but it was 230 pounds of solid muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to the gym every day and ran and worked out and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I walk into the guy's office and walk up to his desk and politely ask him if he wouldn't know anything about my personal life. And I pressed it with, you know, who I sleep with, my damn business, it's none of yours. If you're that damn interested, won't you come watch? <laughs> and he did not take you up on that. No, he did not take me up on it. Uh, and politely told him if he had a problem, then me and him could settle it man to man that he didn't need to run to the sheriff. Uh-huh. You know, that solved that problem. But at that point, I'm out to the whole department. Mm-hmm. Hell, I'm out to the whole county at that point. Right, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, rock on. A couple years later, I get into a foot chase with a prisoner uh-huh. or a guy I'm trying to arrest. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Before we continue, I just want to say thanks for being here. 
Also, you can be on this show too. Has someone said something negative about you online, or maybe you've said something negative about someone else? Either way, after this episode is over, go to www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com where you can fill out a guest form. And if you don't want to be on this show, that is totally cool. I appreciate you just the same. Maybe consider telling a friend about this show. Word of mouth has brought this podcast around the world, so your recommendation goes a long way. All right, let's get back to the show. Rock on, a couple of years later, I get into a foot chase with a prisoner uh-huh. or a guy I'm trying to arrest. Uh-huh. And I call for, called in the chase to the dispatch office. They cleared the channel. The proper procedure would be if you get into a chase where the foot are on car, you call in the dispatch and they clear the channel, meaning no one else is allowed to talk on your frequency as long as you're in the chase. Mm-hmm. So that you can't, you can't accidentally get covered up and be calling for, you know, saying you're shot Mm-hmm. Or you've had to, you know, shots fired, or mm-hmm. you've been hit with a stick, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that you know they couldn't cover you up, and they couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. So I get into a chase. It's about five thirty in the afternoon, and I call for the chase, call for backup, mm-hmm. and no one on my shift responded. Huh? You were just Two alone. That I was alone yeah. by myself. Yeah. And I was in the city. And a city cop saw me get into the chase. I was out helping him work the wreck, and he saw me get into the chase. The wreck was off the road, so there was no reason he couldn't come help me as well. Right. Um, two deputies that were on the night shift heard my call, and they were up getting ready to come to work, and they responded, and they helped me catch the guy. So when I got into jail, I was right at shift change. I walked into the shift change office, and the deputy's office. And I said, uh, is there a reason none of you son of a bitches come to help me? Uh-huh. And they were all like, uh, we didn't hear it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me, let's go ahead and get something straight. Now, don't get me wrong. I know in the stories I'm telling, I sound like I'm the world's biggest badass. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> but I stood up for myself. I walked in, I said, let's get something straight. You need help. I'm going to come help you. I need help. You better come help me. Mm-hmm. If you don't, the next time you better hope whoever I'm chasing kills me. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't, one at a time, we're going to fight. Yeah. And if I, when I whip your ass, it's going to be all over this county that you got beat up by the gay guy. <laughs> huh. And I'm not going to have it. We all are here to help one another. And if you don't want to help me, then don't expect me to help you. And I, after that, I never had another problem. Huh. They may not like me, but they damn sure respected me. Yeah. I don't want to um, overanalyze this, but it sounds sure. like um, you, throughout your life, um, you have kind of gained respect and gained, like, standing with people by asserting your masculinity. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would agree with that. I mean, law enforcement back then was extremely male dominated, uh, field of endeavor. Mm -hmm. And I was the gay guy and they chose to, you know, to, to disrespect me by not backing me up. Yeah. I mean, that's worse than disrespectful. That's like, dangerous or right? putting my life in danger yeah 
But it really just seems like you and I are the product of our circumstances, right? And I'd agree. And I am, you know, as you say, a sissy or a flaming queen, <laughs> because that <laughs> is who I am. And I also think that you are this person who believes like, you know, men should be men. This is the type of guy I am. You're a mask, masculine, mask presenting guy. <laughs> um, and so I think it's it's not that one is right and one is wrong, but instead that both can coexist together. Do you believe that they can? I do. Well, in that spirit, I actually did want to share something with you. And I'm bringing this sure. up because, um, you know, you're talking about stereotypes and who gets to represent gay people in the media or who the media chooses to represent gay people. And um, in many ways, that's almost exactly why I do this work that I'm doing right now, or, or rather why I kind of worked so hard to be in the media. And it's because when I was younger, and even still in, in my young adulthood, you know, you're told so many times by the gatekeepers of the entertainment industry that you are not the right this kind of person. Um, you're not the right kind of Latino person. You're not the right kind of gay person. And I would get that a lot because, you know, I'm gay um, and I'm effeminate. And a lot of times I felt like I was too effeminate, you know, to be a public gay person. Um, I was not stereotypically uh, brown enough, stereotypically Latino enough to um, represent Latino people. And so I feel like uh, a SJW term coming your way, get ready. But <laughs> at the intersection of those two identities, um, I felt that because those inter because those identities intersected um, in a nuanced way, I was prohibited from you know kind of doing public work because I was not this prototype of what a gay person was or what a brown person was. Um, and essentially a, a lot of um, the, I guess the uh, fire that is lit within me is driven by this desire to bring nuance to what people think of a brown person, what people think of a queer person, a gay person. And um, so I guess... You know, even though we um, are very different people, um, we do share that, which which I which I think is kind of ironic because that's exactly the reason you wrote me this comment. Like, um, I am a very effeminate, high voice, high voiced, um, you know, gay guy, but I also don't see many people like me represented in media and I want to make media that I don't see happening. I, I wanted to make a podcast that did have two people's different opinions, but it wasn't this like yelling, screaming debate match, which right. as you know, that's, that's not what this is. Um, and I, I applaud the fact that you do that. Mm -hmm. We as a people are all very, everyone's complicated. Everybody, when you sit down and you talk to them, um, you find out that they're not as two-dimensional as you would think. Mm -hmm. Everyone has 
multifacets. Um, their their way of thinking on one thing again, life determines how you think. Mm-hmm. You know what's happened to you in your life. You know, would I still say you're a flaming queen? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, but by the same token, I'm a big old redneck, and I own the fact that I'm a big country redneck. Mm-hmm. I grew up fishing, hunting. You know, killing animals during hunting season. Yeah. You know, do I do that now? I haven't been hunting in shit. I ain't been hunting in thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Well, look at us, but, a flaming queen and a redneck on the phone together. <laughs> you know, um, I'm, but I'm as down to earth as anybody you'd ever want to meet. You know, I'm, uh, unfortunately, just like everyone else in the world, my opinions a lot of times are based on just what I see. And it's something I said that most, that everyone does. You see something, you form an opinion based on it, and you don't research in this case, I'm formed an opinion. Mm-hmm. You contacted me. We we talked to one another. We talked on Facebook Messenger quite a bit, and then mm-hmm. uh, we switched to a phone conversation. We had you know, we spoke for almost two hours, mm-hmm. basically recounting pretty much everything we did here. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, my opinion of you changed, just like I would hope your opinion of me changed. Yeah. Um, well, I just but think you're day, a real person now. You're not just a Facebook comment, you know? Right. You yeah. Know, the one thing that I think we all hate are those keyboard warriors that are not willing to get on and face-to-face, which we're not, but we're on the phone, mm-hmm. that face-to-face are not willing to back up what they say. Yeah. You know, and they don't have a, a true reason for what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, do you fit the stereotype? Sure. Is that necessarily a bad thing no yeah i i do just want to ask this though um sure lee do you do you regret writing this comment it's hard to go back and and say and regret something do i did my opinion change yes mm-hmm. um did at the time and unfortunately you can't go back and fix it mm-hmm. as far as because that was my opinion my opinion has changed would i if I knew, if I'd have done more research on you and maybe tried to converse with you before I wrote the comment, would I have written it? No. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least not in the terms I used. Mm-hmm. I mean, if me and you were best friends, I'd still tell you, you're damn flaming queen. I'm a flaming queen. And I would tell you right back, I <laughs> you am know, a flaming queen. In and fact, you'd probably call me a, a redneck fag. You know. I, so the thing is, I actually. I don't think I would, and maybe it's because I'm a helplessly politically correct uh, liberal coastal yeah, bubble person. I, I'm, I'm not very politically correct. But that's okay. And look at us. We're on the phone together. I try to be politically correct. Maybe you don't. And here we are just living our best lives, a flaming queen uh, and no. a redneck together. <laughs> you can be truthful and be tactful. And yeah. unfortunately, in my comment, I was not exactly tactful. But that's okay. Uh, well, you're being very tactful now. I mean, like, this is what matters. This is this is how I'm always going to remember you, right? Not from your comment. Oh, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversations, and I hope I didn't come across as a blubbering idiot. No, not um, at all. You, you come across or, as you a know, person who's you. Or, you know, a lot of people would probably say, you know, an uneducated redneck from the South, and that's not untrue. Mm-hmm. But just because you're uneducated doesn't mean you're not intelligent. 
Right. Everybody should be willing to do what you and I did. Yeah. And that's sit and talk. Yeah. You know, like I, it would be, you know, I would enjoy meeting you if you ever come to the South. I, I can almost promise you I'll never come to New York. <laughs> uh, I've been to New York, didn't like it. Huh. Um, too many people. Yeah. It and, feels like that for me sometimes too. You know, if you ever come to the South, I would enjoy meeting you. I would love um, that. Because this is not typical of me mm-hmm. as far as I'm not a person that talks on the phone. I despise talking on the phone. Oh my God. that um, I, That's surprising to me. Maybe that's the most surprising thing you've said all call. <laughs> <laughs> and then the unfortunate part is so many people aren't willing to do what you and I did and that's sit and talk. Right. Right. You know, most people, again, they have their opinion. That's all they're going to listen to. And the minute you stray from their opinion, they shut you down and quit listening. Yeah. And, I wish more people were as open-minded about discussing differences as you have been. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, that would, that would be great. Um, thanks for <laughs> it, it saying would that. would make for a much, much easier world. Yeah. If people were willing to, to sit down and discuss yeah. their differences. Thank you for saying you know? that. Um, and, and I, I appreciate the fact that you're willing to do that. Oh, well, thanks, Lee. Um, so, Lee, I, I have one final question for you. I think sure. I know the answer, but hey, I want you to be the one to answer it. Um, as you know, this podcast is called Conversations with People Who Hate Me. Um, do you hate me? I didn't hate you to begin with. I <laughs> disagreed with you, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't hate you. I, it's there's, a, there's very few people in this world I'd say I hate. Mm-hmm. And it takes them doing a, somebody doing a lot more to me than me disagreeing with their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Or being a flaming homo. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't letting that one go, are you? I'm not. I love it. I, I'm a flaming queen. <laughs> Let me be, you know? Well, if that's what, you know, as long as, the number one thing is as long as you're happy with yourself, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Yeah. Just live, I'm telling you, live by the three Fs. Yeah. If you ain't fucking me, feeding me, or financing me, your opinion doesn't matter. You know, as long as you're happy with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that's all that matters. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Lee, I, I think we disagree on a lot of things and we see the world differently, but our, you know, circumstances were also very different. So, um, I, but I really, through all of that, I, I really appreciate you taking the time for this phone call. So thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Um, well, Lee, I will uh, see you on the internet, or uh, maybe we'll uh, get that beer. And you said you're not coming up to New York, but maybe if ever I venture down to the have, south, I'll see you there. I have there. no plans on it. I'm not saying I won't ever, but okay. I, at this moment, I have okay. no plans. Well, if I find myself in the south, maybe we'll grab that beer, okay? All right, buddy. Okay. Bye, Lee. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a production of Night Vale Presents. Christy Gressman is the executive producer. Vincent Cascione is the sound engineer and mixer. Alan Rahimik is the production manager. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The logo was designed by Rob Wilson. And this podcast was created, produced, and hosted by me, Dylan Marin. Special thanks to Night Vale Presents Director of Marketing, Adam Cecil, our publicist, Christine Ragasa, and also Dustin Flannery McCoy, Rob Silcox, Mark Maloney, and production assistants, Allison Goldberger and Emily Muller. 
Thank you to all of those who gave encouragement throughout this process, and also thank you to those who warned me against doing this project. I did it anyway. And yes, thank you to those who wrote the hateful messages, comments, and posts that inspired me to turn one-way negativity into productive two-way conversations. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with another conversation next week. If you love this show, tell all of your friends about it. And if you hated this show, maybe write to me. Tell me why you hated it. And who knows, maybe you'll be a guest on the show. Just remember, there is a human on the other side of the screen. We're racing, racing through these dark times. And it's hard to take it. But we're going to make it dark times Make it through these dark times Make it through these dark times